Welcome to Cookbook Club. We are home cooks from Portland, Oregon. I'm Sarah Gray. And I'm Renee Wilkinson. Every other episode of Cookbook Club will be focused not on a cookbook, but a cooking topic. Today on the show, we're going to keep it casual and tell you what's been going on in our kitchens. What are we cooking right now? So many fun things to share. Oh, yeah. We've got like the post-holiday, like, let's try to be healthy again. (laughs) But then we also have this mixing of like, it's been freezing in Portland. We had an ice storm earlier last month and, you know, it's cold and rainy. Definitely. Well, what have you been cooking? We've had some wild weather this winter. It has been wild. I think it's actually been freezing all across the country. So you all or many of you probably know what we're talking about, but we just had like a snowstorm followed by an ice storm, followed by an ice storm, followed by an ice storm. And everyone was sort of like stuck at home for a week. And that actually gave me just the best excuse to clean up my freezer. I just was like cooking out of it. And there's stuff in there that I just hadn't gotten to. And that was amazing. Um, I basically used up all the frozen vegetables. um, So it's time for a restock on those. You know, we've got lots of chicken stock in there. And so I was able to make some nice, like simple soups. I also had some chicken thighs kind of buried at the back of the freezer. Made some indecision grilled chicken, which is from um, Julia Tertian's Small Victories, which was great. And now I feel like I have room to like start restocking, which is great. That's exciting. It's just like such a satisfying feeling. I'm like, I can see the back. Yeah. Someone from our cookbook club moved recently to a month ago, and she did a similar like clean out the freezer and pantry for a different reason, because she was moving, didn't want to move it with her. So she found a couple hours of time and sat down and did a meal plan for a month. So cool. Using everything that she already had. You know, you may have to go to the store to like pick up a couple tomatoes or a lemon. But yeah, yeah, I thought that was super smart at this it's time so of year. so smart. Yeah. And it just feels like so good. Like I could maybe just sort of start again in some areas. Yeah, I love yeah. that. We're mm-hmm. restocked um, now, but we also got kind of down to the dregs during that time. Recently, I did the Whole30, oh, which yeah. I'm not into um, weight loss through dieting. Right. <laughs> Let me just say that. So I kind of feel embarrassed even talking about doing the whole 30 because I don't like promoting that. But what I did it because of dietary stuff I have where I have like chronic eczema and I'm trying to get to the bottom of like, what is it that I'm eating that is perhaps causing inflammation? Sure. So I did it for that reason. And after 30 days and the ease back into eating regular food things, I learned nothing. (laughs) Unfortunately, it's a rousing success. Yeah. After 40 some years, I've already basically figured out like what foods cause inflammation. And so uh, eliminating stuff through the whole 30 didn't really teach me new things. However, I discovered some like pretty decent recipes from doing okay. that. And I'll just say, um, so I have a copy of the whole 30 book. That's the like, not the original one, but the one that came out a little bit later that is like half whole 30 book and half recipes. Okay. And if you are a fairly proficient cook, I think you can make those recipes that are pretty basic yeah. and make them really great. Okay. And so based like tweaking them. Sort yeah. Of. Okay. So my partner and I were able to basically do that. Like she has a recipe in here for shepherd's pie with a sweet potato crust. Ooh, yum. I love shepherd's pie. I love shepherd's pie with lamb, which we get from our meat CSA, but I've never made it with a sweet potato crust before. It's and so good. I'll never make it another way. Yeah. It's so good. Yeah. We added so, it has I think, so much more flavor. Yeah. So this that was a great recipe. Great basic. Like think of it as a template recipe. Sure. We punched it up a little bit more by adding like some coconut aminos and like, you know, sauteing the onions a little bit longer and stuff like that. But that recipe was a total winner. Awesome. Um, she also has some really good sauce recipes oh, in here. Okay. And that's something that I also really learned from doing the Whole30 is that basically if you have one or two really good sauces that you've homemade yeah. in the refrigerator, you can add that to anything to make it taste a thousand times better. 
sauce is the key. That's my big takeaway from like three years as a vegan is that if you have sauce, you can make anything interesting. I've wanted to do a cookbook club gathering actually that was just sauce based. Yeah. Where we all just bring like we should do that. A sheet pan of roasted vegetables or something really basic. Yeah. And then we all just bring like Like make two a couple sauces. Yeah. Yeah. So the one I'm coming to that. I love that idea. (laughs) I made a few of them from this book, but one of them in particular is this roasted red pepper sauce. Okay. Very easy to make because you're using um like the jarred roasted red bell peppers that you would get at the grocery store. Yeah. And you just blitz it up and we put that on every Everything like eggs in the morning, Yum. like the vegetables in the what evening. What else does it have in it? Not very much. It okay. has a little bit of olive oil, onion, garlic, parsley, capers, huh. and some lemon. So it's sort of briny and peppery. Yeah, but really nice. Great. Yeah, very bright. Yeah. I mean, it just like lightens everything else up and it Yum. makes it taste so fresh, I think, because yeah. of the lemon and the herbs. Totally. Love that recipe. That delicious. And then we also made a roasted pork shoulder with butternut squash, kale, and tomatoes, mm. which the photography in this book leaves something to be desired. Okay. Because, you know, we're used to cooking out of these amazing cookbooks that like totally understand food photography. Right. This feels very like 1990s food photography to me so don't judge it based on the picture and this roasted pork shoulder is like not going to win a blue ribbon based on what it looks like okay so i mean it looks pretty boring but it was so flavorful and i don't understand how something so simple could be so flavorful and yet it was wow i mean you season the pork shoulder so you season it with like chili powder garlic powder onion powder which to me is like also kind of a little bit dated it's very 90s yeah 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 but it did create something very delicious and it was like a one pot stewy dish and we gobbled it up yeah so I, Sounds you know, delicious. I didn't get what I thought I was going to get out of the whole 30, yeah. but I did get but some did new fun recipes. recipes to yeah. Take home with. yeah, that's great. We're, yeah, we're hitting a sort of January stride of simple and easy. I've been making breakfast for dinner a lot. I love it. My kids have finally gotten on to me about the Julia Tertian sour cream pancakes. They know that it has sour cream. Well, I don't, I don't ever make them with sour cream. I always make them with yogurt, but mm-hmm. they have discovered that the Allison Roman perfect buttermilk pancake is just better. And yeah. Lewis has started, I'll say, how about pancakes? And my son Lewis will say, are they the Allison Roman ones? <laughs> He's like, which recipe are you making? And then we'll talk. Oh, how funny. So um, I'm raising pancake snobs. And honestly, they are better. I'm making them for dinner tonight. They might taste better initially, but then you feel like crap afterwards. <laughs> I know, I but I, I made her cinnamon roll recipe actually off I of your too. recommendation. That's right. Yeah. yeah. And it, it's the same same kind of experience where my kids like loved it. It was totally a baking project for yeah. the weekend. Like yeah. you have to make it the night before and then it like does all this rising. You have to, you know, sit, put it in the refrigerator overnight, blah, 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 form it, yada, yada. You're yeah. not going to have cinnamon. There's no way you're having those cinnamon rolls at eight o'clock in the morning. Unless you are a 4 a.m. waker. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You would yeah. have to get up at 4 a.m. Yeah. and let it come to room temperature and then rise and then bake it. Yeah. I'm not doing that. Um, but it was, you know, Alison Roman gives the people what she wants. And it classic. was that. It is a classic cinnamon roll. But it was like my but body It was afterwards. way too sweet for you. Oh. I didn't put the, I didn't do the frosting. Yeah. And I think that's maybe the key to temper it a bit. I think I just, my body doesn't want to eat sugary yeah. carbs. And without the frosting, it would still be. It's still a sugary carb. Yeah. It's an enriched dough. And even just the amount of filling is like obscene. But why would you be eating cinnamon rolls if you didn't want a sugary carb? Right. You know, that's, so that's what we're going for. Everyone else loved it. Yeah. That was a fun ice storm baking project. That's so funny that your kids have figured it out about the pancakes. I know. <laughs> I love a good, like more um, dense stick to your ribs pancake. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Well, I wonder if they would like the one, the uh, but the buckwheat pancakes from the campout cookbook. Yeah, I don't know. I if don't think I've made them. I don't stock buckwheat flour, so okay. I would have to go get it. It'd probably taste too healthy to them. Maybe not. 
I don't know that it's, I think it's just that those Julia Tertian ones, they're so good, but they're a little one dimensional. Yeah. Well, they're not carby. Yeah. Yeah. They're very protein heavy. For sure. Um, I had my friend Amy over for lunch, who is a college friend of mine who I haven't seen for a while. And I made lunch and I made the bacon and egg spaghetti from dinner in one. Oh, how was that? It was so good. And so there's a number of recipes in that book, which is a Melissa Clark book. It's her newest one. Um, you know, I think when we talked about it on the podcast, we talked about how, oh, there's so much pasta in here. Mm-hmm. And we hadn't really made a lot of the pasta. Um, but a lot of the pasta recipes in there are like one pot pasta recipes. So you don't even boil the pasta separately. So this bacon and egg spaghetti is basically carbonara, but it has greens in it. Oh, nice. And you cook the noodles like in the pot with everything else, like with the veggies and everything. Like you put them in there raw and then you add some water and it like really gets super creamy and delicious. It was awesome. That sounds really interesting. It was so, so good. My friend was like, wow, you're a really good cook. <laughs> you feel so good. Um, yeah, it was just delicious. Wow. That sounds I great. I highly recommend. And it made me want to make some of the other pasta recipes in there. Because um, like Melissa Clark, it was like so flavorful, had like a great flavor profile. And also it had all these greens in it. So it was like pretty healthy. That's nice. Yeah, it was great. Well, back to carbs that are not healthy for yes, you. Yes, bring it on. <laughs> um, and I guess along the breakfast train... I have been making these cranberry scone recipes oh, yeah. that Eliz from our cookbook club got on my radar. It's from this website called Alexandra Cooks. It's like a personal blog, you know, food yeah. situation. And the um, recipe is from 2015. So it's been there for a while. There's a couple things that I do differently about this recipe because I've made it more than once. Um, I love cranberries. My family loves cranberries. And so I loved the idea of using fresh cranberries in a scone recipe. So they come together super easily. You blitz the cranberries in the food processor just to break them up a little bit. I use, she calls for one cup. I use one and a half cups because I want like so many cranberries in there. I think it's better that way. And then her recipe, she has you cut them into triangles into like eight pieces. And those are huge scones. Okay. Those become like the size of the scone that you'd buy at like the bakery. Okay. But if you're eating them at home, like it's kind of too much scone. Yeah. Yeah. So I would cut those in half. But that's a really fun, very easy scone recipe that turns out really fabulous. Nice. That sounds really good. Oh, what else? A favorite recipe for a long time that I'm sure we've talked about before is the slow roasted salmon from Salt Fat Acid Heat by Samin Nasrat. It's so good. It's my go-to salmon recipe. But something I've been really appreciating lately, especially in winter, is the citrus variation of that recipe. Oh, I haven't tried that. So in the base recipe, she calls for you to um, put it like nestle it into a bed of herbs, basically which is fine, but I don't have a lot of fresh herbs this time of year and I'm not going to buy them just to put salmon on top of them and then throw them away. Yeah. It's one thing if they're in my herb garden and they're like prolific, but that's not happening right now. So in the citrus variation, you do some citrus zest on top of the salmon with the olive oil and salt. And then you also make like a bed of citrus. Hmm. So the like half fillets of salmon that I have, I can cut up one lime and one lemon or one orange and one lemon, like two citrus fruits and like lay the, lay them out, make a little bed for the salmon and then just zest one of them before you cut it. Okay. 
It's so good. And the zest is like a really nice zippy flavor. And it's just so bright in the winter. How much of that flavor do you think like from the citrus that's laying underneath the salmon, how much of that do you think is really penetrating through the salmon skin? I don't really think much of it is. It's just kind of not wasted and yeah. it looks pretty. Yeah. And maybe I mean, you can helps. also do that slow roasted salmon with nothing underneath the salmon. Just do it on parchment paper, mm-hmm. um, which I've done before, but it's kind of fun. Yeah. I don't know. It, it does sort of like pool a little bit of like citrus juices around it. So then when you're serving it, sometimes it gets a little of that on it. That I suppose good. you could like scoop it up and put it on the top or something because they get roasted too. Yeah, that sounds delicious. It's very good. Um, should we take a quick break? Yeah, let's do it. We have a lot more to talk about in just a hot minute. Dropcloth Samplers is a line of hand-drawn embroidery samplers, printed and ready for you to jump in and start stitching right away. Each pattern is hand-drawn by Rebecca Ringquist in her Portland, Oregon studio and printed for you to embroider with your own color and thread choices, like coloring book pages, but for embroidery. And with Rebecca's custom classes on Creative Bug, she can be there to guide you every step of the way. You can find Dropcloth Samplers on Instagram at dropcloth or online at dropclothsamplers.com. So recently, our cookbook club cooked from the cookbook in BB's Kitchen by Hawan Hassan with yeah. Julia Tertian. I think Julia Tertian kind of helped like curate the recipes in yeah. here. But it features, I, for, I I don't know if it's like six different countries in Africa yeah. and a collection of their recipes. It's probably not a book that we'll focus on specifically for an episode, but I just wanted to plug it here because we've actually been cooking a lot of recipes from that because a lot of the recipes from this cookbook, I think, are really great fit for this time of year. Yeah. They're very like comforting, healthful, yeah. nourishing. Stewy. It turned into kind of a stew fest. It was a major <laughs> stew fest. We had like, uh, you made this Somali beef stew. Yeah. Emily made this chickpea flour stew that was really interesting. And then Monica brought this chicken stew with yogurt and coconut. Yeah, it was so good. I mean, these all have like African names to go along with them, like Degon Kumbi and things that I'm not going to pronounce very well. Yeah. But the meal was fabulous. And yeah. then one random thing that I made was the ginger spritz from this yeah, cookbook. Yeah, that was really good. It was so easy to make. It's fresh ginger that you've coarsely chopped up and honey and lime juice. And then you basically mix that with some seltzer water. Yeah. And that at this time of year feels really, really good. So nice. To have something really bright and healthful like that. Yeah. Yeah. I thought that that was so fun. We ate so many like really delicious things. And also the book is beautiful and there's all kinds of like great stories in it. Yeah. It was a, that's a good one to check out. Yeah. Fun, fun to read. Okay, another thing that I've made recently that just totally blew my mind. Yeah. So good. This is not a new recipe, but uh, it is new to me. It is the tangy braised short ribs by Allison Roman from the New York Times. (laughs) You guys, there's a reason why we mention her name a lot, and it's because her recipes are good. They are so good. I had some short ribs for my meat CSA that we needed to use up. And honestly, this felt like way too luxurious for just like a Tuesday weeknight dinner with my family. But that's exactly when we ate it. I love it. It was so delicious. Like the sauce from it was so like silky and luxurious. It almost made like it was so saucy when we were done with it that it's really like it had a gravy kind of with it. 
And it was so good served over like rice. It would be so mm. my preferred would be to serve it over polenta, but I have polenta haters in my family. <laughs> but you slow <laughs> they? you slow roast it. So it takes about four hours total okay. cooking time. It's probably mostly hands off. It right? is very hands off. And like she just nails it with the flavoring. OK, so if you have short ribs hanging out in your freezer, totally look this up. But honestly, like if you just want something really comforting and easy, like if you're yeah. going to entertain on like a Saturday or Sunday night supper, like this is the perfect kind of meal to make. Okay. I'm perfect for this time of year. It sounds like it was very like oh my God, yeah. warm and comforting. I'm still dreaming about it. Like it's, Yum. I'm not over it. It was so good. <laughs> Amazing. I've been making lots of sourdough. Um, I still am working mostly from uh, Evolutions in Bread by Ken Forkish. But another thing I've discovered of his is I did not realize this. So I have his book, um, Flour, Water, Salt, Yeast, and then I have his book, Evolutions in Bread. And those have been my sort of educations on baking bread and sourdough. But I didn't realize that he has a third book, which is called Elements of Pizza. Oh. And it has tons of pizza dough recipes in it. And so I've been trying to like perfect my at-home pizza game. And there's some really good stuff in there. So I've been really enjoying that. That sounds great. Very on brand. (laughs) He has um, a local restaurant of his Ken's Artisan Pizza, which I think he recently sold because I think maybe he's like semi-retired or something now. I would believe it. But it's really the best pizza ever. So So good. I I believe he is an authority on the pizza dough. And I love the way he writes about it. And just if you want to get into sourdough and pizza, like Ken Forkish is your guy. Yeah. Very We talk about Ken sort of like on a first name basis in my house. <laughs> As I'm like, we... well, Ken didn't say. <laughs> That's funny. I feel like Ken is a little bit similar to me as Mark Bittman. Like yeah. they both seem very like friendly and approachable in sure. the same way. Yeah. Have you ever... I've. I've met Ken briefly, so I think that's... I have not met okay. Ken. Yeah. He's got a similar vibe. Okay. Okay. Speaking of Mark Bittman, I made a dessert recipe of his recently from the New York Times. So he used to be like a prolific New York Times recipe writer for many years. Yeah. And he has a very great classic recipe for vanilla meringues. Ooh. Meringues might seem fancy, but let me tell you, they are so easy. easy, Yeah. So easy to make. And I made like this epic at uh, Christmas for our large family gathering. I made this like holiday pavlova, which is so beautiful. (laughs) Renee is basically like a giant meringue ring. And then it's like a wreath. Yes, it's a wreath. And then you put like mint leaves and fresh berries and whip compote and all that kind of stuff on top. Anyways, I've been on a meringue kick. And since we had recent snow in Portland last month, my son was like, I think that we should make like snowmen out of frosting. And I was like, that doesn't really make any sense to me, but (laughs) we could make meringues and make those into snowmen. And so I did. So cool. Mother of the year. It was so easy, though. Yeah. But I put... I baked the meringues the night before, and then you turn off the oven. It bakes at a low heat for a couple hours, and then you turn off the oven. You do not open the oven door and just let it cool overnight. And so the next morning, we woke up, had breakfast, and we could just make our little snowman. I love that. It was really fun. So fun. I made a delicious dessert also. Here's what I did. I bought too much pumpkin around uh, Thanksgiving time, thinking that I was going to bake more pumpkin-y things. And I also made the mistake of buying the big, like... 32 ounce cans of pumpkin at yeah. Costco. And I will not make that mistake again because it's too hard to use up a can like that. Yeah. No recipe calls for that increment. No, not even, no pumpkin recipes even call for one can. So like, you're always going to be using a partial can there. You know, you're using like, I feel like I've opened up these huge cans of pumpkin and used like three spoonfuls. <laughs> but anyway, I've been trying to use up the pumpkin because it's just taking up real estate in my uh, pantry at this point. And so I've been looking for pumpkin 
recipes. Um, I've tried a couple, but here's a standout. It's the chewy pumpkin chocolate chip cookie bars from the New York Times. It's like you make it in a nine by 13 and then you cut it into bars. It is like a chewy chocolate chip cookie, but it's pumpkin-y. And it sort of like skews like a pumpkin gingerbread sort of way. Like it's heavily spiced. Okay. And it has lots of chocolate chips in it. They are very good. That sounds good. Yeah, really good. I'm actually thinking about making a second. I put some in my kids' lunches today, and I realized I only have a couple left. So I think I might make like another round. Have you, if you're interested in going savory with your pumpkin, I think Melissa Clark has like a pumpkin chickpea stew. Oh. Or like a pumpkin lime stew or something like that. Okay, I'll check that out. Yeah, I've used up pumpkin that way in stews. Because it kind of disappears and it makes it a little bit creamy and it does not taste, you know, if you're not adding those like pumpkin pie spices right. it's not going it to taste tastes really different yeah also the um the pumpkin crumb cake which is a yossi rfe recipe in the new york times is very good um and the pumpkin baked donut from the new york times all I, good oh if you have God. a donut pan i love that pumpkin baked donut it's so good it's so good it's we don't so easy we don't need to just limit pumpkin to the fall i know well we're not because i got to get that pumpkin out of my pantry uh can i talk about another baking recipe yeah so speaking of baking I picked up this Mary Berry cookbook, Mary Berry from the Great British Bake Off. It's called The Baking Bible. Okay. And I made a recipe from it recently. I was in England and I like fell in love with a bunch of cookbooks while I was there. And this was one of them. So I made this recipe called Seeded Nut Loaf. Yeah, so So interesting. It's like a bread, except it's not at all like a bread because it has no flour in it. So strange. It's really like just protein and a little bit of fat. So it has a lot of eggs, a little olive oil, and then it has um, some dried fruit and then a mix of seeds and nuts. And it was extremely easy to make and extremely delicious. You can find variations of this recipe online if you like Google Mary Berry seeded nut loaf. Okay. The ones that you find online, I think, call for dates or something like that. In this book, she calls for cranberries, which I think are the superior dried fruit to put in here. Yeah. But it's very easy. It's a one bowl thing. It turns out beautifully. It's great for an open face sandwich. Okay. It's great for breakfast if you want to put an egg on it. Yeah. Or just eat it by itself toasted. Yeah. It's really delicious. And it feels perfect at this time of year. Yeah. And it reminds me of The Hobbit, which I read every winter. And when all of those dwarves show up at Bilbo's house, like uninvited guests, and they start like raiding his pantry, Uh there's a line in there about how they like, he has a seed loaf in there. Okay. And like, ever since I read that line, like 20 plus years ago, I'm like, I'm kind of obsessed with seed loaves. Yeah, I love it. Because they just sound so good. Yeah. So I was channeling The Hobbit while I was eating that. I love it. How much did it make? It makes like one... Sort of like a standard makes, loaf pan. Yeah, it size. makes just a standard yeah. little loaf pan. And yeah. it's not, it doesn't rise a whole lot because right. it's so dense. Yeah. But that's fine. Yeah. It's, you know, you could, I wonder if you could even like slice it super thinly and yeah. make it into a cracker. Sure. But I don't want to do that. No. It was great just, just eat it as a base for other for things. Yum. That sounds delicious. Well, that was like a whole lot of winter fair content. Yeah, I think so. Some healthy things. Some not so. Some not so much, but very luxurious and delicious. Yeah. Um, We would love to hear what you guys are making if you want to tell us about it. Yes. Find us on Instagram. Well, we hope that you guys will join us next time because we're going to get even more indulgent. We're going to be cooking from Mastering the Art of French Cooking by Julia Child. Sarah, why did we pick this book? 
Well, I think it's just time for us to grab this very famous, very well-known book. I, the thing I've heard about this book is it's the book that's on everyone's cookbook shelf, but that no one's ever cooked from. Ooh, burn. I know. I hear people say that a fair amount from it. It's interesting. And uh, we're excited to talk about it in February because Valentine's Day was a favorite holiday of Julia Child's. That should be really fun. Yeah. I'm looking forward to that. For sure. Get Just go buy some butter. Get ready. <laughs> <laughs> Cook along with us between now and then. Just tag us on Instagram at Cookbook Club Show. Or send us a voice memo or a comment at cookbookclubshow at gmail.com. You can find us online at cookbookclub.show. And remember to subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss the next one. And if you have time to leave us a review, that is an excellent way to help other home cooks find us too. Goodbye. Bye.